I want to share a word with you this morning as we prepare uh, to uh, baptize some of our brothers and sisters today. I want us to look at Romans chapter 6 and uh, just share with you a really, really basically a word of teaching so we understand what it is we're doing and what we're about to do and maybe as well encourage someone in this room that, that maybe you didn't even this morning consider it but maybe this is for you this is something you need to do and maybe even today you want to get that settled and so I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 6 as we kind of deal with this glorious idea of what baptism means and why we are to be baptized. Romans chapter 6, I'm going to begin here with verse 1. I know I let you sit down, but now I'm going to ask you to stand back up in deference to God's word, get a little activity and exercise in the midst of that. That's a good thing. Hear God's word from Romans 6. What shall we say then, Paul says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory, to the, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Boy, that's good news for all of us this morning. Glory to God. You can be seated. Well, we are basking still in the glory of Easter and all that Easter means. Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. And Paul understands this as he opens up this, this passage in, in Romans 6. And I want to remind you that after Jesus spent 40 days appearing to the disciples, uh, the resurrected Christ, he took them to the Mount of Olives and he gathered them there and he gave them what turns out to be his final instructions before he ascends to heaven to be with the Father. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 28. He says to them, go, you go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all 
that I have commanded you. Now, I want to ask this question this morning. Why did Jesus want us as Christians to be baptized? What is the significance of that? Why didn't Jesus just say, hey, make disciples and require them to learn so much scripture? Or make disciples and require them to learn my genealogy? Or require them to, to make a trip, a, 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 a trip to Jerusalem? Require them to put so much and such and such amount of money into the offering plate? Why didn't he say those things? Why did he say specifically, this is what you are to do for people who decide to follow me, baptize them? Because if you think about it, it's a rather strange practice, isn't it? Quite frankly, at times it's been misunderstood. A drunk uh, stumbled along a baptismal service one Sunday afternoon down by the river. He proceeded to walk down to the water and stood right next to the preacher. The minister turned and noticed the old drunk and said, Mister, uh, are you ready to find Jesus? The drunk looked back and said, Yes, preacher, I think I am. Well, the minister then dunked the fellow under the water and he pulled him right back up. He said, Have you found Jesus? The preacher said, No, I didn't, said the drunk. Well, the preacher then dunks him again, this time for a little bit longer, but, but brings him up and says, Now, brother, have you found Jesus? No, preacher, I didn't find him. The, the preacher's rather disgusted, a little disappointed, and so this time he holds him under for about 30 seconds just to make sure, and suddenly brings him out of the water in a rather harsh tone, says, Sir, have you found Jesus yet? The old drunk wiped his eyes and says to the preacher, are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> you know, about a thousand years ago, in the Dark Ages, the church taught that baptism automatically made you a Christian. Some people even believe that today. Well, I was baptized. I must be okay. I must be a Christian. And their mind, just as circumcision made a, boy, a little boy Jewish, baptism made one a Christian. So infants were often baptized and later told, you're a Christian. Why? Because, well, I was baptized as a, as a baby. And yet, 500 years ago or so, the Protestant reformers came along and they strongly objected to that idea. And instead, they said, no, becoming a Christian means that you make a choice. You make a personal choice to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not something that your parents can do for you. Their parents can be examples and models. They can lead you to that, but you always have to make that decision for yourself. The truth is, you can be baptized until you're waterlogged. But if your heart isn't in it, you're just a soaked sinner who still needs to be saved. You see, baptism is a matter of faith and obedience. So as a pastor, I always encourage people who have come to Christ and, and want to proclaim that to be baptized because this is what Jesus says we should do. Now, now that ought to be sufficient enough to obey him, ought to be sufficient enough to just do it. But, but I'd also like to take it a little bit further than that this morning because I want you to know that God has a reason behind every command. 
He does have something that he, in fact, wants to accomplish through baptism. You remember when God commanded Noah to build an ark, that wasn't just a test of obedience. It was a means of survival. When God told the Israelites, listen, I want you not to eat certain foods and not to intermarry with relatives, take one day off and seven, those weren't just commandments as tests of their obedience. They were given so the Hebrew people could live healthy lives. And so God has a purpose for baptism too. So let's talk about that. Now, this is not exhaustive, but hopefully it'll give you some indication here. One of the benefits, it seems to me, of baptism is it meets our need to express our faith. It meets the need to express our faith. God has created us in such a way that almost every emotion has an appropriate outlet. We release sadness by crying. We release fear by a scream we release hilarity by laughter and I finally found a joke that you laughed at a little bit I'm grateful gratitude by giving love by offering a hug or a kiss William James once said an impression without an expression leads to depression when, when, when you have uh, an emotion you want to let it go you you want to let it out and if you don't it's kind of like trying to hold back a sneeze it, it causes you to be discombobulated it hurts inside have you ever tried to hold back laughter when something funny happens during prayer or or hold back a tear when you're watching a movie and there's a sad part you, you don't want to look silly so you try but you're but, but, but you have that emotion and it just longs to be expressed. An impression needs an expression. When Jesus healed people, one of the things that you'll note is he often gave them something to do. He said to the blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. To a cripple, he said, get up and walk. To 10 lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Now, Jesus could have instantly healed all of them without any action on their part, but he knew that there's something healthy about giving them something to do as a result of their faith. And so he gave them an opportunity to do something to meet this need to express and to anticipate that God is up to something in their life. And so let me ask you, what do you do when you're impressed with Jesus Christ? When you come to that point, when you know that you know that Jesus has saved you, when you know that he's covered you with his grace, when he's forgiven your sins, when you're with him forever, well, he has provided baptism as a means of being able to express that faith. When Peter was preaching in Acts, the people asked him, what shall we then do? And Peter didn't say, well, don't do anything. No, he said, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So God has given us something to do as an expression of our love and our found faith in him. But secondly, I want you to think about this. Baptism is a powerful reminder that in fact our sins are cleansed. You know, when we sin, we feel dirty. We know there's this brokenness, there's something corrupt, there's something solid about that's going on in our hearts and, and in our lives. It's a stain, it's a darkness. I can't help but think about King David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. You remember all that sordidness. There was the murder of her husband. There was the cover-up that followed. But finally, when he was confronted with that sin, this was his prayer in the psalm. Have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David desired to be clean. Well, see, baptism gives us a picture of being cleansed because there is one person who can thoroughly cleanse us from that ache inside of that guilty conscience. The blood of Christ can wipe away the slate. He can make it pure again. And so we sing songs like, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so when we become a Christian, we put our trust in Jesus' death on the cross. We recognize that Jesus took all of my sin and it was placed on himself. He, he took it upon himself and he, he paid the penalty that I was to pay. And because of that, I have no uh, guilt for that sin any longer. We admit that we cannot pay for our sin on our own, but we say, Lord, I believe that Jesus dies an atoning death for me, and his blood can make the foulest of sinners clean. I put my trust in him, and he erases my guilt. You see, baptism in the water is a picture of a wonderful refreshment, a symbol of that cleansing within 1 Peter 3.21 speaks of this water, and he says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. By the way, it's not just a water baptism. What we long for is a baptism of fire that comes when the Holy Spirit falls on God's people, the baptism that, that actually cleans us and makes us righteous and makes us different. And he says, this is not the removal of simply dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So baptism is a picture of what God has done. We are dead to sin, and then we are raised to a new life in Jesus. It becomes this extraordinary and yet so simple picture of the glory of Christ. He covers me with his grace, and I am wiped clean of the guilt of sin, ready to be alive forevermore but wait there's more too baptism becomes a signpost 
a benchmark of our commitment to Christ. There, there are a lot of benchmarks in our lives, if you think about it. Your, your birthday is a benchmark, and you celebrate it every year. Graduation day is a benchmark. Many families will be seeing some of their students graduate in the next few weeks. You did a lot to receive that degree, and your family is proud of you. Next week, we're heading to uh, Asbury, where Micah is going to be graduating there. Uh, it's a benchmark, and we're proud of him. Uh, our wedding day, our anniversary, can be a benchmark. In July, Mary and I will have been married for 30 years. Can you imagine? She's been with me that long and had to put up. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, well, that's all right. But think about it. The wedding, the anniversary is not the celebrating the day we fell in love or the day that we decided to get married. It is the day when we made a vow to each other. It's a benchmark that you better remember annually or you get in a lot of trouble if you don't. I like the way the message paraphrases Romans 6, 1 through 4. Listen to this. So what do you do? Keep on sinning so that we can see God keep on forgiving? You see, there were some Christians in Rome who thought that since they were saved by grace, it didn't matter if they kept sinning because it made grace look even better. And their attitude was, let's make God look good by being more sinful and proving how big and wonderful his grace is. That was their thinking. Well, Paul responds, and he says, I should hope not. May it never be. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in that old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happens in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's a beautiful picture of what baptism is. Now, for some of us, we grew up in the church. If you're like me, you didn't have this dramatic experience at conversion you know the truth is as far back as I can remember I I knew Jesus and I I was aware of him and and I was aware of God my parents took me to church I I'm sure that I accepted Christ in uh, Sunday school class when I was probably a kindergartner when I became conscious of the fact that I was a sinner and I needed a savior, and I made that commitment at a very early age, and I love that. I think that's a testimony. I think that's a glorious thing that God captured my heart and is still doing that within our children's program too. But when I was 21 years old, I realized something. I was studying the scriptures. I was at Asbury. I understood, wait a second. The Bible talks about being baptized. Jesus said, be baptized, and I hadn't been. And it so happened that uh, on summer break that year, I was back and my church was having a baptismal service. We didn't do a lot of those in those days. And I determined, well, I need to be one. And so I was baptized in a little swimming pool in the backyard and the pastor was there. It's a day that I remember to this morning. It's a day I'm not gonna forget. And so the great thing about baptism is it's kind of a memory that seals things for you. It's kind of like a wedding ring. 
It's a symbol. It draws a mark in the sand. It draws a mark in the line. Satan can try to say, oh, you don't belong to him. Wait a second. Wait a second. I believe, and, and here's the proof. I, I obey Jesus Christ. I put my trust in him through the waters of baptism. And like a wedding ring, therefore, it says, from this day forward, I stand with God. And in a sense, then, it becomes a benchmark for others, too. It says, I belong to him. You can count on it. It says, my life is different, and you need to know that. I've died to myself. My hope and desire through the power of the Holy Spirit is to live the rest of my days for Jesus Christ. It's a marker. But one final thing I want to bring up to you, and that is this. And this might kind of catch you a little bit by surprise. But I think baptism, one of the great things that happens in baptism is it makes sure that we have a need to be humble in our spirit. Do you know what I think the biggest barrier between most people and God is? It's not greed or lust or doubt or jealousy. It's not even laziness. I think our greatest obstacle very often is pride. We don't think we need him. We don't want to make a fool of ourselves. Proverbs 18:12 says, "Before his downfall a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor." You know, one thing I will say, I've never met anyone at their baptism who was filled with pride. You can't do it. It's a humbling experience. In fact, I think that might be one of the primary reasons why God instituted baptism. It's a pride extinguisher. It snuffs it out. Think about it. Think about the process. You're going to get wet. You're going to come up and your hair's going to look sloppy. You're in a room full of people who look nice and dressed up and then you got these people in their, their, their sweats and shorts and, and t-shirts. And of course, then there's a whole physical process of dunking and, and that is, it's, it's awkward. And to make it even more so, we use a shallow tank and, and to extinguish that pride even more, we make sure it's as cold as it possible and, and you know, just trying to, to really make the point. And the whole point of it is to publicly admit I'm a sinner. And I need a savior. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, educated or not so much, black or white. We come the same way. We need him. And without him, we're nothing. Baptism is that picture. And so there are some who just put it off because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to look foolish. Can I say this? Yes, baptism is very much a humbling act, but it is never a humiliating one because in doing so, 
<laughs> we are raised up to a new life, a freshness, a cleansing, a, a, an exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ as glorious and good. Let me ask you, have you been baptized? Have you made a confession of faith to Christ and are willing to proclaim it and demonstrate it to the community that loves you and would only rejoice to see you do it? In Acts 8, I can't help but think of the story this morning of the Ethiopian eunuch, who, by the way, was you know, pretty well off. He was well, uh, well listed within his society. He was a part of the royal cabinet of the Ethiopian royalty. And he goes to Jerusalem to worship. He has a soft heart toward God. But he's on his way home from Jerusalem. He's headed back to his hometown in Ethiopia. He's worshiped, but he's confused. He's confused by what he's reading. He's, he's hearing about what the Messiah is. And he was particularly puzzled by Isaiah's prediction that the coming Messiah would be led out like a sheep to be slaughtered. And as his caravan, which I think was probably fairly extensive, made its way through the countryside, he suddenly hears a stranger come alongside and call out, Sir, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, Well, as a matter of fact, I don't understand. Could you offer me some help? And Philip said, I believe I can. And so he invites Philip to join him in his chariot. And as they're going along and they're talking, Philip takes that passage of Scripture and begins to talk about the Messiah. And oh, by the way, I've met him, and his name is Jesus. And he shares the good news of what God has done through Christ, his death and his resurrection. And as they travel down that road, they come to some water. And amazingly, that Ethiopian, this proud man, this learned man, this rich man says, stop, there's some water right here. Could I be baptized right now? And Philip says, well, I don't know why not. And so they get out of the chariot. They stop everything. They go down into the water, and Philip baptizes him right then and right there. And the Ethiopian, the Bible says, went on his way rejoicing you see baptism was his expression that Jesus was alive in him it was his expression of faith baptism was his pledge that I've received a clean heart I, 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 my sins are not held against me Baptism was a benchmark of commitment my, my, my goodness I am changed forevermore it was his demonstration that he humbly yielded to Jesus Christ as his Lord. Have you been baptized? Maybe someone didn't think they wanted to be baptized today. They weren't even considering it, but maybe this is your day. Why not? Andy Stanley says he got tired of his kids asking why every time he asked them to do something. He wanted them to understand there was a reason behind his instructions but he didn't like them demanding an explanation before they did what he wanted them to do. So he says, I train my children when I told them to do something to say, yes, sir, daddy, why? That was compromise there, I guess. Yes, sir, daddy, why? Now, maybe you don't understand all the whys, but maybe it's time you stop waiting. 
yes father I'll obey because I want to submit myself completely to you 1 John 5 3 reminds us this is love for God to obey his commands and oh by the way and his commands are not burdensome he's good he loves you and maybe maybe this morning you are surprised to find that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying you need to be baptized well we would welcome you and when we sing in just a moment if you'd like to come forward and just talk to me about that and and you have confidence that you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior you are confident that you believe that he alone can save you from your sins I'd invite you to be a part of what we're going to do in just a few moments we already have I think four uh four folks who are going to share and uh, participate if we have more I don't think anybody's going to object and uh, I won't be one of those will you pray with me Heavenly Father it is good to know how much you love us and Lord you give us such practical ways of allowing us Lord to grow in our faith and to put those benchmarks in our life Lord that says I was this but now I'm that I'm different because of what you've done in me and so Lord we just want to allow you to do whatever you want to do in our lives today we rejoice in those who are coming forward and making the decision lord to participate in this wonderful act may it be encouragement to us who have been baptized may we be renewed in our own faith and our own walk and our own challenge lord to live lives of righteousness and peace and joy have your way here this morning we pray through christ our lord amen